what's good everybody man jp checking in respect my region man we're back on another episode respect my region podcast i'm your host joey jp we've got a special guest today on the 81st official episode we've got jack grover in the building coming in hot out of ohio ceo and co-founder of grove bags how you living today bro i'm good man i'm good thanks so much for having me obviously been a, been a fan of what you guys been doing for a while and love the show so now I'm on here. Hopefully the audience, you know, enjoys this episode as much as some of the others. But uh, I really appreciate you you having me today, man. This is, a, this is a nice break out of the day to just wrap a little bit. So it's a it's uh, truly a pleasure, man. It's an honor. You know, we've got I've got a little bit of Grove bag right here, man. We've got that turp oh, lot. Yeah. I made sure that we to stick some of our flour in here. Um, man, it's really it's really cool to have you guys on to have you on as a guest and to be able to pick your brain and learn more about the company. Um, before we dive any further in though, Jack, I want to make sure that I give you the proper intro for the brand, uh, and show love. Um, you guys Grove bags is, or I'm not, I'm not the definitive expert on packaging, but Grove bags is arguably, if not hands down the cream of the crop for cannabis packaging, specifically with these bags that we have right here, right? There's a, there's a variety of different bags that they use, um, they use this turp lock technology, but ultimately, guys, the, the mission statement here, Grove Bags equips growers and consumers to efficiently preserve the quality of their cannabis from cultivation to consumption with USA, very important, made packaging powered by turp lock technology. The vision, uh, Jack, to create, I'm sorry, to raise the quality standards in the cannabis industry, cementing turp lock as a globally recognized cannabis packaging solution everywhere cannabis is found. And I think that that statement, I think that what you guys represent is incredibly valuable. What you've created here, Jack, as the co-founder, as the CEO is so powerful because the science of cannabis hasn't been figured out yet, right? It hasn't been, it's not copy pasted everywhere. All these markets, all the regions they're in, they're all different, right? You're in Ohio and we were just talking Arizona. Those are not the same place. No, not at all. I mean, you know, we've been, you know, very privileged and lucky to develop a product that the market likes and is, finds a lot of value in with Turp Lock. And that's, you know, that's taken us and myself and, and the product all over the world in the past seven years. You know, almost a third of the world's countries have some sort of legal or medical cannabis or recreational cannabis program. So we're, you know, we've been in cultivation rooms on six continents, everywhere from home grows, you know, outdoor grows, you know, in, in Thailand on the Laotian border to grows in the city of Bangkok to grows in Lesotho to Israel to Spain to um, places, we, you know, should have mentioned to, you know, all over the United States and North America. Absolutely. So we're, it's, it's been a privilege <coughs> to see a, a global market take place. And for me, you know, we're having a lot of fun because we're developing products that people we admire uh, enjoy. And I, you know, as Alien Labs, Ted, you know, told me, you know, years ago, he's like, you know, you really not anybody in this industry until you're smoking pheno hunts, you know, from the from the the top dogs. So I get to see a lot of great products and I get to have a lot of fun, but we also get to work with some of the most innovative and creative people in the industry. The that 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 little comment from Ted there, how powerful is that, right? It's like to get in this industry is a struggle itself. To find your role, to create a place, another another issue to overcome. Some would say uh, trials and tribulations. What is a little bit of your background? What, how did you? you know, obviously, your last name is Grover. Is is there a tie-in with with that and Grove bags? And how did this whole cannabis packaging technology and 
helping the cultivators and the consumers. How does this come about? I mean, with the Grove and the Grove bags thing, I mean, like I'm, I'm not an egomaniac. The face of our company is like the best cultivators in the world. That's always been full stop what we wanted. We just didn't have a name. We had a product. MJ BizCon was coming up. You know, we were past the deadline of printing some stuff and getting ready to exhibit at our first show. Classic was, cannabis fashion right here. Back in the days, like the fuck at, at the Rio Hotel. I mean, this is very, very different cannabis industry, you know, like very different reaction, you know, with people, especially in the Midwest. You tell them what you do and what you, what you hope to do and what you're passionate about, what you love. Um, so, yeah, you know, my buddy was like, hey, man, you know, let's call Grove Bags baby you know cannabis grows and grows like mushrooms grow and grows you know apples grow and grows you like all those things called so we you know we we ran with it you know i think turplock is a better name because it reflects you know what our product does uh, in terms of that specific product um that's obviously turplock's our flagship innovation uh and uh to this to this point in our company history um but yeah I, um that's what it is. And, you know, I think um, for us, the goal has always been we want to create and add products that have a true value add and true differentiator in the marketplace. When we saw everything that was happening in cannabis, you know, I had been interested in cannabis because even though I grew up you know, in Ohio, you know, wrestler, you know, very, you know, lots of anti-cannabis propaganda. Um, my brother moved out to California and um, he has pretty severe cerebral palsy. And when he did that uh, for a little while, he just got tremendous uh, relief from cannabis. And that kind of opened up my eyes to it and got me interested. But it so dramatically improves quality of life because, you know, it's especially in the, you know, what are we talking or you know, early 2000s, you know, there's, and it, not that it's not worse today, but there's, you know, a pill for this and two pills for the side effects of that, four pills for the side effects of those two pills. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, in the bathroom that I share with my brother, all of my, all of my stuff is in a, a shower caddy as if I was at a summer camp because, you know, he's, you know, so pipped out for the pharmaceutical industry for lack of a better term. Um, and using cannabis was able to, you know, it's been huge for his quality of life and be able to rely, you know, greatly reduce, you know, his, his, you know, pharmaceutical, you know, needs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that got me interested and that got me passionate and, you know, that, um, you know, got me excited and um i really you know i i believe uh we live in a capitalist society here in the u.s and um i i don't think the genie goes back in the bottle so um once the once we started to have a industry and things started to open up i i knew this is you know this was you know going to happen and we were going to continue going forward versus backwards like they that America doesn't do too good at going backwards. No, I was, I was surprised a lot more people didn't didn't see that early on. It's um, <coughs> Denny B is definitely making some really really good points and comments here that we should address at some point because oh we, yeah for sure definitely yeah, shout out to Denny B here on our on on the Facebook channel here uh, popping in. Uh, we'll read one of the comments here. The system is rigged against us both systematically as a as a just a human here in America as a citizen in America. Um, when I turned 18, they didn't hand me a book of laws and how to be a good citizen in America. They didn't tell me here's the hundred laws you can break every day on accident that you don't even know about. There was no handbook of how to just stay out of jail, not go to prison, how to do my taxes. And I think that same 
mindset applies to the, the, the general business owner for sure. But cannabis, particularly bad right now while this is happening. Um, Mitch, Mitch wrote up a, uh, the questions for us today here. He's our, he's our co-producer and show. And so one of the ones that he has here is uh, particularly interesting. Uh, it ties in with your uh, with the various uh, your background as a grower and, and, you know, the different people that you've met over the years. How does this relationship with growers and having a better understanding of the true step by step process? How does that really go into and have effect on your creation of this Terplock technology? I mean, I think just from a product ideation standpoint, I think you're you're going to be in a much better place if you're trying to truly create value. And I think the way you truly create value is by understanding and trying to do and making sure you're close to and facilitating good conversation, you know, with with the people who, who you want to make stuff for. Um, so, you know, our, our products, you know, up and down the line, if you go from Turp Lock or, you know, Fresh Fruit <coughs> or anything else, they're made in you know very close collaboration uh, and uh, in very close you know uh, um, sync with uh, growers that we really admire and respect. Uh, we don't really take a product to market unless we feel it's going to be a, a substantial value add over the current way of doing things, um, and you, you can't. So that, that point right there leads me to want to ask the question then again, and kind of going back to the different climates, you traveling to all these different regions and states, how, you know, with, and, and going through these rounds of iterations based on feedback, you know, you're getting, you're obviously you're going to get feedback from this region over here and then a different one and a different one. And you clearly can identify patterns and consistencies and probably in some cases inconsistencies on the flip side, right? So you guys start creating this packaging and getting feedback and, going through these iterations of what it looks like, what the technology is inside, outside, all of these different things. What are some of those, what were some of those first rounds, first few rounds of feedback that you were getting? What was missing from cannabis prior to Grove Bags and Terplock technology? I mean, I think it took us probably a dozen iterations to really get something that, you know, the market was like, this is really good. Um, like this, this makes a noticeable difference in, in product quality. What will explain to me how this works? Cause really it was just like, Oh, I got to try it. Like, you know, this is a new technology class coming from, you know, very mature agricultural supply chains, trying to tweak it to the very sensitive nature of cannabis and then get, you know, the, the industry to buy into it, test it, um, analyze it and, you know, in a <coughs> way and make a consensus opinion and then adopt it and that that was a monumental task in some ways i think our, our biggest thing was we made something we believed really worked and we said hey you know why don't you try this and then you know when we sent you something for free we passed it to the show you'd be like hey did you try it did you like it did you try it like this how'd you use it you know did you use the proper moisture content how'd you dry how'd you cure you know you understand the difference between drying and curing you understand water activity level you know and started talking about a lot of these things really raising i think awareness and i'm glad and i think the awareness is you know broadly seen throughout the cannabis industry whether or not we get credit for it or not but i think you know we've always had this acronym duahu and you know when i make presentations or you know go and, and talk at conferences i you know can't purely pitch our product but i say you know if i'm in your position and i'm operating a brand you know the things that i want to think about from material science perspective as far as it relates to my product quality and integrity across my supply chain and my the supply chain that my customers you know have to deal with and accept right 
what's the durability of the package? How's the package protecting odor, you know, controlling odor? How's the package maintaining oxygen levels and, you know, proper gas mixtures? You know, is there anti-static control in, in that package? A lot of people don't think about anti-static control. And we were really the first people to, like, obsess over this, really, and just be like, well, and just because, you know, we were dudes who love, like, love what weed. Was that, what was that word again? Uh, and, and anti-static control because we were dudes who love weed. You, know? you said anti-static control? Yeah, so the reason why anti-static elemental control is important in any sort of cannabis package that you're using um, in terms of flour is about 90% of your terpenes are actually in the trichomes on the flour. And those trichomes, those little heads of resin, you know, when people talk about cannabis as tree, you know, that's a very accurate way to describe it because really it, it is tree. And But the fruit of that tree, you know, is those little resin heads. And those little resin heads are, are, and trichomes are extremely delicate, but that's where 90% of the terpenes and medicinal value and efficacy of the product is. So when we have a vessel with a high static charge touching flour, what that means is that high static charge is separating those trichome heads and pulling them onto the walls of that container or vessels wow. flour. So that's one of the ways in which flour can get, you know, damaged and degrade. Um, yeah, and this is like this is stuff that no nobody was talking about and you know, Ryan Carnavale and, and myself and you know, JJ Yang, you you're know, talking about this, right? This is Ziploc. So you're talking about these trichome heads right here, huh? Yes. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like if anybody's ever, you know, put cannabis in a nylon turkey bag, you know, nylon, great material, high barrier property in terms of good odor control, high sag charge, no UV protection, but that static charge, you see it because that bag and that porous nylon, you see over time as that flower sits in that bag, you see how it kind of dusts and clouds. Yeah, yeah. And, you see how it turns a bit brown, yellowy, and brittle. It's because all those trichomes and resins are getting pulled onto that. Yeah, bag. there's, there's a, it's, we'll just call it, there, it's creating a, an element of friction, a tug and war, if you will. A static charge. A static you know, charge. Yeah, that's, man, that's so crazy to think about that. Yeah. This inside, inside this bag right now, everybody, inside this bag right now, there is static charge between, right? Between well, like, because not this bag, not the wrong bag, wrong bag, but something like, okay, so let's use my other bag, for example, something like this, right? Yeah, so something like that, that's mylar, most normally if it's produced in the United States, is metallized polyester. And not only is that not an environmentally friendly material, you know, there's almost an aluminum foil that's super spread and bonded over that that film structure, that polymer film structure. Mm -hmm. That creates a really good barrier property for odor, but it's got a lot of downsides, one of which is a high static charge. So high static charge, no static charge. Exactly. But inside of both bags, there is a microclimate where things are happening, right? Absolutely, because there's a moisture vapor headspace coming off that flower, right? There's that moisture vapor is creating pressure. There is an individual microclimate within that bag. Just as there's different microclimates, as we know, with it grows within different parts yeah. of the grow, between different parts of the grow room, between different parts of your dry and curing room. It's also a microclimate in that vessel with that product. But anyway, to me, to me, this is like this is like uh, uh, you ever worn jeans and then you put on some swooshy pants and like one pair of clothes breathes better than the others. Like the airflow is different. Like this, this is crazy. I had no idea that that much as as Denny is saying here, I had no much idea that the side there is this much science that goes into that. And it's so this is so interesting. Um, I mean, there's there's so much science going on, so many different aspects of, of this industry and of this player right now. And I think one of the exciting things about it is the unique challenges of the 
cannabis plant and the cannabis industry are actually fueling a lot of innovation and development in the broader packaging industry, which, you know, I, I think is just, you know, good for the general consumer, good for the public. Like I, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a good thing for society. I think, you know, that those conversations, but in terms of pulling it back, you know, talking about the NSAC, you also have humidity control, right? Okay. And control. A lot of people still have the misconception that humidity directly corresponds to moisture content. Um, or water activity level, which it definitely does not because there's different ways to control and amount for and account for humidity. Our fundamental one of our fundamental philosophies has always been, you know, if, if you're needing to use supplemental uh, moisture to rehydrate or dehydrate uh, product, that's just a symptom of a loose SOP because there's enough residual moisture in cannabis. There's enough moisture in the product stably over the supply chain. Um, to maintain product product integrity and i think that's another sign of still having broad operational inefficiencies as an industry because you you don't see that as much in other more mature agricultural industries you see a much better sop and a much better chain of custody and a much deeper understanding of the plant and i think part of that when i hit on water activity level i'm, I'm talking about that because water activity level is a much better indicator for us the moisture content most people you know for us at least we say you know you want your flower in about you know 10.7 to 11 percent you know moisture content okay. uh, and then it's ready to go in the bag and, and cure it and it doesn't need to be burped in there well you know how are you testing it you know are you testing it properly or are you grinding that whole butt up or are you peeling flour off a large and small cola and testing the moisture content of that interior most stem after you cut it in half and giving you what i would call a true reading because so much humidity and moisture hides in the stem you know that's why people yeah, work, yeah, yeah. right because they think the flowers dry they put it in the tub, they come back to it six hours later, you know, it's stopping wet. That's because those buds rehydrated off the stem because there's so much moisture hiding in there. Um, they say that the perfect cure, though, there's a lot of things that go into it, but they say that that perfect cure, you hear that bend and snap of the bud, right? So that's that's the old saying that at, at a precise 90 degree angle, that stem should, should snap. And while that is a very good, you know, rule of thumb, I think the water activity level moisture gives us uh, gives us a much better idea of what's going on both within the flower within the stem and within the whole plant in terms of its curing process and its life cycle this gives us a much better idea of how that plant is breaking down those residual sugars and chlorophylls and making them into you know cannabinoids subcannabinoids and flavonoids um for for that you know of, of that flower right or of that product so um I think a lot of values, you know, been created there and heightened there um, as as you know we've grown as an, <laughs> as we've grown an industry and a focus on product quality has, has grown there. But um, you know that kind of moisture control or responsiveness, however you want to handle that that issue, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to maintain you know 0.55 to 0.58 water activity level within within that that butt holistically. I want to I want to summarize. I, I, I know that there's more elements that go into this next question than just what you discussed, but you've covered a pretty solid. Well, the last thing I'd add in there, just on that topic. Well, sorry, go ahead. Like the last kind of thing I would add in there is like thinking about ultraviolet light because ultraviolet light will actually degrade the potency and efficacy of cannabis faster than anything else. So that's, that's kind of that last addressable kind of element or consideration or factor you want to have when making packaging decisions for products is yeah. how's the product addressing the ultraviolet light concern or has the product been you know so heavily processed or at a price point for a consumer where you know it doesn't matter those those are the tough questions you know 
you know, people, you know, people need to answer in, in that, uh, in, in those situations, making those purchasing decisions, packaging and presentation decisions. But it's an element they need to be aware of, nonetheless, whether or not they discount it, because that's that's a huge component of product quality. I have two two back to back questions, but I'm going to need you to keep them short because these are these are the ones that we want to be posting online. These are very valuable clips, if you would. The first one is, what would you consider to be the five most important elements when it comes to picking your packaging? Now, that's question one. That that was inspired. That one came from inspiration of what are the most important elements according to you guys when it comes to the cure process? Because from my understanding here, the proper SOP and the planning and the preparation over here leads to execution, which should end up being decent product. Just we'll just call it cannabis flower product a, and then depending on what, how you test it and how you acquire those, we'll call it key, key performance indicators, just whatever those metrics are at the end, at the end of this growth cycle, that's what then goes into the bag, right? Or the jar or the whatever. And so first one, let's start with the cure question. What are the most important steps that go into this curing process to get into a really good end result product? All right. So the first thing is you have to separate the two, two ideas like growing good cannabis and presenting good cannabis is the same thing because there's growing great flower and then there is drying, curing, preserving and delivered to the patient, you know, great flower. And those are those are two separate things that present their own unique challenges, right? Um, for us, you know, to address your first question, I think, you know, for us, the six elements that you need to consider, you know, with, with doing your packaging beyond, you know, regulatory environment and proper language and, and all that is, you know, that, that acronym I shared earlier, which in short is, you know, what's the durability of the package? What's the, what's the oxygen control? capabilities of the package you know is it doing anything for for odor control if it's a particularly odorous form of cannabis product um is, is the product anti-static you know is it does it have some sort of humidity control either passive or or active um that you know is maintaining the desired water activity level of my flower and is that product does that product have ultraviolet light protection uh but moving back into that broader question i think boom you know let's assume we we grew you know great flower um and a lot of people doing it. I mean, I've been in been in world class rooms in six continents. I've been in rooms in Thailand that you know, if you know, I took everybody out of there and covered up some of the signs and shit. You'd swear we were, you know, you'd, you'd swear you know one of the top guys in space, like you know, Ted or, or somebody would put it together. It was it was elite, elite, elite. Wow. Um, but let's let's talk about the the curing side. So then you you take that plant around and grow a great plant. You know, ideally in the perfect world, everybody's doing a fourteen day hang dry at a sixty degrees, you know, Fahrenheit, fifty seven to sixty degrees, you know, uh, in temperature. Uh, the reason that or in relative humidity, uh, and the reason we like you know being at sixty degrees or below is there's a couple of reasons. One, flower should never really be above sixty five. Uh, because what happens is the respiration rate of the flower um, will go up dramatically. So for every degree you are over seven degrees, you're doubling the respiration rate of those terpenes wow. into the head, into the headspace in your container. And if you have a container and you're using a vessel or a product or a humidity control device that's absorbing or damaging those terpenes, and not a you know solution power just by moisture vapor with good 
good control properties that is able to allow the, the flower or the product once once it's in stable conditioner to reabsorb that from the headspace that that's the way that you have substantial product loss so that, are you and I'm, i don't have to name it you don't have to ref, name them by brand but are you referring to those things that are inside the jars oftentimes or inside like the little insert like I, I think there's, there's a lot of a lot of different products and a lot of different brands and you know a lot of a lot of different solutions you know out there um that i think if you really dove into and test it out i think um or asked around i think you would you know um be curious that be seems to me like it's more of a band-aid or like a a crutch versus just doing a better SOP pro like executing better. Well, there's always room for, you know, band-aids and crutches, but I would, I would agree with you. I think, you know, for a lot of our customers uh, and partners putting in a tight operational SOP around with the right technology designed to efficiently uh, and effectively scale has, has been, you know, cost effective and you know material cost effective labor cost effective you know a lot of different ways you can divide that up but no there's you know a lot of different things a lot of solutions you know nitrogen flushing you know is a great technology but that's a food tech item from from the 80s you know that's that's you know not really how products with respiratory needs operate anymore um and that's why i think if you look at the overall global packaging industry you know modified atmospheric flexible packaging is the big growth area because it allows for, you know, very tailored solutions, you know, for very specific environmental needs. And, and you with, go to the store now you go to the gas station, what is most, most consumables packaging, flexible packaging, even more and more liquid items, flexible packaging. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really smart materials for really specific use cases. And, and with this innovation, we'll call it with this, forward progression in packaging well you know sustainability customization probably like a uh, speed you know ability to get it to market faster that kind of stuff um where what do you kind of see on the evolution specifically for cannabis packaging i mean we're seeing cookies put things in like little boxes and then like ice cream jar like ice cream little cart carton things now um i saw the wizard trees did this really cool purple looking dome um type of experience uh, what are your thoughts? What what are you kind of seeing either on your guys' side of the conversation or just from a from a market trend perspective? It, it's interesting, right? Because it's part of it is you know how is cannabis going to be marketed and whatnot. You know, I think you know we've always had the thesis cannabis is going to be just an acceptable, normal, everyday part of life, and it's going to be a consumable item, and it's going to you know people are going to pack so I can consume wild. I think there's always obviously always room for novelty and you know, effect packaging, you know, they're, you know, I forget the name. There's some guys up in Michigan that were doing permanent marker pre-rolls and they put them in a pre-roll case that they had custom made that looked like a permanent marker, like hats off. That's, That's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, it was cool. It's cool. Right. It was fun. You know, and definitely I'm sure it helps sell that product along with permanent marker being a great strain and those guys being, you know, a good organization on their, on uh, their production. End. But, um, I don't think cannabis is like alcohol in terms of, you know, if you look at most alcoholic items, you know, 20 to 40% of that product's cost, sometimes in some cases more is represented to the packaging in front of you that, that contains it. And we're nowhere near that. Not um, yet. In cannabis. I don't think, I'm not, I'm not sure if we. we I think we are because, and the, the reason why I think we are is there are cool brands that are popular enough already in the culture that dictate trends. And I know that that hype culture, I got you know, in the music shit, like 
if one of those brands were to do a pop-up and all of a sudden offer something for 10 racks, someone's going to buy it. And I think, and I know that because I've been a part of teams that have sold products that were one of one or two of two uh, up in, you know, shout out to Washington State's market up in Washington. Uh, and I've been down here in Cali. And then now that, le- you know, weed is legal all over the country here, at least in the States for the most part, I think 37 states or something like that. Um, I started getting hit with press releases about like, hundred pound chocolates, you know, like the, the world record stuff, like people that are really trying to go for cool things. And so I think there's going to be innovation um, as, as, and just people doing fun, creative stuff in that regard, uh, much like the cannabis packaging side of things. I think people will just continue to do it and there will always be a market or some random kid with too much money that'll, that'll buy something crazy. Um, I don't know. I think it would be kind of like cigars in a way, not to get too off topic from your earlier question, but, you know, cigars, you know, definitely, um, you know, not that wide a variety of packaging beyond cellophane and sticks and boxes and yeah. cigars and boxes or sticks cigars and some sort of aluminum tube or some sort of aluminum case. That's, you know, that's how virtually all of them come, right? Because um, it's such a consumable item, so I think um, flex pack is going to be pretty uh, enduring in in cannabis. I think um, you know, I think especially in coffee. Like I think you look at coffee. I don't, I don't know how much packaging um, aids in the sale of the coffee. I think it's it's a vessel to get it done right. I think that's why they go flexible packaging because it's. It's effective, and you can highly print it. And you can brand it. You can put some nice graphics and effects on it. But at the end of the day, it's the most effective way to, to yeah. deliver product that product to you with high quality, high integrity. Because at the end of the day, that, that coffee has still got to hit punch you in the nose when you open that bag, right? I think cannabis flower, at least, is very much the same way. Do now, you mentioned earlier too. You know, you've been to uh, some of the most elite growers. I'm sure you've seen you know tons of craft smaller operations as well. That's where most people started off in anyways. And being in the game, you just kind of see those to start with. But now that you've been all over and you've been able to be a part of those pheno hunts with some of those elite people, you know, where would you say the best weed is found across the world? Is it is it truly California or are there pockets where is there a concentration of people in California among you know Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, you know, Sacramento, Santa Rosa, you know, the Bay? And, you know, um, some spots up further up in NorCal. I mean, yeah, there's definitely the greatest concentration of legacy knowledge, technique, infrastructure, you know, it's a great microclimate, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the highest concentration of it. But are there people doing fascinating stuff and stuff at a super fucking elite level all over the world? Yeah. Yeah, there are. There, there are. What people. are the two most impressive that come to mind immediately for that? Um, the region. You don't have to name the company if you don't want to. Went to a facility in Thailand with Jimmy Devine. He did uh, shout out to him. Um, I think he's a great dude. Just loves the heat, falls culture, gives you know brings a lot of attention to you know, some people doing some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, in the in the the cultivation space, especially. Um, he and I went to a facility in Thailand that like just blew my mind. I, you know, I've been to some facilities, I've grown, I've worked with people and, you know, there was like, you know, usually you go to a new market and it's like, Hey, you know, you should do this. Like, check this out or try this this way. There's a lot of suggestions you can make. Cause you want to see these, 
business basis <laughs> just from just from a business standpoint, but also more from a personal standpoint. You're there. These people are taking time. Like if you see something that you know could be a good thing, good tech, like you suggest it, right? We so, just want to smoke the best weed everywhere we go, right? That's all we're trying to do. I mean, yeah. I mean, as you know, a young man, you know, that's you know, starting a business. That's the dream. Like, yeah, I want to do a company that you know, I want to start a business that people actually like, and you know, I want to, I want to smoke some of the dope, dopest weed in the world. And like, yo, like, fourteen year old me would give thirty one year old me like, yo, hell, hell yeah, player. Like you, you smoked the heat with the, the players like everywhere. Like you, you saw that shit. Like you, you were the, you know, you had some cool fucking stories. Like, yeah, you know, that's that's been a blessing from God, and I appreciate it every day. Uh, and you know, I think I had, you know, I had very few, you know, regrets about it. Um, it's it's been been a blessing, but no, I, I, I back to that room. I was in this room. There's nothing I could fucking say. I was just like, hey, man, you know, I I can't wait to smoke some of the shit you gave me. Like this is fantastic. That's and then awesome. obviously, obviously, you know, he opens up a tub and like he's got, you know, he's using, he's running our tech and he agrees it's the tech to run. And it was just like, all right, we're, well, you know, like holler if there's ever anything I can do for you or like, you know, somebody I connect you to because I know all sorts of, of people, people around. But yeah, there's nothing I could, nothing I could suggest, dude. Had That's nothing. So awesome. Had that no, I've never been into a facility just yet that where something didn't raise like uh, you know it's, it's, it's soil remediation cleaning everything before it got in the facility this it was it was top to down like at least I'm sure you know I'm there are a lot of guys who could go in there and, and you know a, you know have a brain trust with an, an elite elite level operator like that and certainly add value. You know, I'm, some of the guys we talked about, you know, can certainly go in there and make great suggestions. I, I'm not fucking Ted, but you know, I do know a little bit, you know, or a decent bit. And there was nothing I could I could say. I was I was blown away. I mean, it, it would have been one of the most very elite rooms in, in any of those places in California. I said. So, I, th- I so th- Thailand was was that one? Where yeah, was where's, where was another one that it was? You were just like, holy shit, this place is crazy. Small op outside of Barcelona. Hmm. Small op outside of Barcelona. Um, obviously, Piatea, you know, is hot right now, and I, you know, it's it's an interesting, you know, iteration of 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 hash the plant. I enjoy it, but like, you know, this dude was putting out like heat smoking flour because I, I think growing for resin is a bit different than growing smoking flour, but like, it was fantastic, and you know, it's you know some strains uh, and some. Uh, genetics that are pretty, you know, I think kind of unique to that area that I haven't really seen before. And, you know, kind of, you know, he was, he had some stuff outdoors, he had some stuff indoors. And so, you know, some stuff he was running outdoors. He, you know, kind of has been bred over a long period of time to kind of, you know, try to be ideal for you know, his unique microclimate there and his situation there. And like, you know, dude, you know, obviously, you know, new tech on, on the carrying and storage, but like up and down, I think he had a great system. You know, he was doing doing a uh, phenomenal living soil, you know, uh, natural herbal uh, pest, you know, control. I mean, very, very impressive, you know, top to bottom, small team. You know, we're, we're talking, you know, less than 250, you know, plants throughout the entire, entire facility, I'm sure. But, um I think that it's less than 200, uh, but, you know, extremely, extremely uh, world-class work, you know, world-class work. 
That's that's There's incredible. Nothing, I've been to- there was nothing I was able to contribute on outside of you know curing and storage and talking a little bit of you know just getting nerding out with the dude about you know moisture and water contact levels and speculating as well on like what's really going on with the plant uh, and you know some of the stuff and but no, everything else I mean this dude up and down was you know Duke of ball like it was it was it was awesome I mean you know this product would have been you know standing out stood out on on the on the table at any any competition you know anywhere that's awesome. It's it's crazy. People people truly sleep on the craft grower because they don't. They're not as flashy, or it's not as big, or uh, their you know their Instagram is not as popping, or whatever it is. But you can grow great weed pretty much anywhere where you are able to create an environment or do it outside in your environment. There are strains that will grow in any area. You just have to find them or breed to that area and get better at those kinds of situations. There's a way. I mean, there's. There's a way to do it if you are, you know, determined and dedicated to getting it done. I would say I, um, the amount of willpower that I, I, and determination and creativity and ingenuity that I've seen among the people that I've been able to work with and add value to what they're doing and uh, spend time with has been, is, I, I still get, you know, I still get humbled at the stuff I see every day. I'm just like, that's incredible. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's been one of the, the big blessings other than, you know, you know, you smoke, you know, going into the grow rooms and smoking the flower from the personal stash, of like the dudes that you watched on YouTube or look followed on Instagram, you know, you know, way, way back in, in, you know, the day when you're getting custody to like, you know, working your way to the inside. I think, you know, this has been been pretty cool. But I think, you know, the big part of that blessing as well as being, you know, around people that are so <laughs> so determined and so dedicated and so passionate um you know um yeah it's, it's definitely it's made me into the person i am and i've you know been you know lucky enough that you know we're blessed enough or you know whatever you want to call it that we developed a great product that you know gave us gave us the opportunity to, to do that and you know hopefully we can continue to continue to ride the rise to that but it's been a it's been a pretty kick-ass ride so far now you guys, the the stories that you have and the travels are particularly interesting, and I aspire to be going out and doing, visiting most of the same the same uh, caliber of growers all over the world. When it comes to them, not all of them necessarily, but these people using grove bags, you know, I want I'm interested in learning what was the problem they were having before groves grove bags and turplock technology and. What ultimately was the reason why they switched to your to your to your tech? So there's a variety uh, of issues that uh, for that kind of drive people to being open to trying the solution, and that could be you know I'm having substantial product degradation, I'm having molding issues, you know I'm spending a a ton of money trying to account for how loose my SOPs are using one bandaid or or another. Uh, the way I'm doing things is really inefficient. I'm losing tremendous margin on this. Uh, customers are not happy with you know my product. Oftentimes, they don't consume it quickly enough because it degrades so quickly in the packaging it's in. You know, I I don't understand what's going on. Fantastic flour is leaving my grow rooms, but I don't know what's happening after that because the people in the market aren't aren't liking it or aren't receptive to it. It's not getting good reviews. You know, mm-hmm. 
um, any any litany of issues from operational to you know degradation to a lot of you know degradation and a lot of just desire to you know deliver. I hope you know also thankfully as well a lot of desire to just you know how do how do I you know how how do we get as close to this you know this product that I'm picking up out of my curing bin in my production facility. How do we get as close to this as possible for the person that's buying this at the dispensary and then throwing it in their drawer for a month or mm-hmm. three months? It's interesting to think about. I've been in a lot of facilities in the last few years, and I've been, we've been noticing more and more that people were switching away from the more traditional uh, specific products or just you know from the turkey bags to i've seen these like circular pop open like they're almost like coolers kind of like vibe uh, i've seen people like those because they're um they're easy to store. they're good to good to rotate the flour that's another product i'm familiar with that's you know it's a container with a good seal yeah yeah, certainly. Um, but that, those are the majority that I've seen, and, and it's always been interesting to hear why people are switching or what they're going for. And so, I appreciate you elaborating on that. Um, before we get on out of here, everybody, I got to get through our sponsor statement. This episode was brought to you guys by Armar Legacy Smalls. We've got it here in our future Arizona bag. We did this bag in collaboration with Grow Bags and Turplock. I appreciate you, Jack, for uh, working with us on this project. Super dope. Um, we've I've been. I, we wanted to use this for Arizona, and I've been heavily considering making the switch here in California because I routine, routinely buy weed that's too dry. And I know that these brands are putting a lot of money and time and effort to do whatever they can to get the product as fresh as it can and at the, at the highest quality, whatever that might be from here to all the way to here. Like they're doing what they can to get it you know, to market and have it be a great product. But most of the time, you can't – these retailers, you can't control what they do and how they store it and, and what happens after the grower, you know, creates this art. And so we're very much excited, you know, to – you know, down the road when we're able to afford a, a re-up on packaging here soon to try to start making that switch and ultimately launch with, with you guys and these Arizona bags. And so for those of you guys watching, make sure you guys tap in, like, follow, and subscribe to – all things Grove Bags. Make sure you guys Google Turplock technology. Go read up on that. Feel free to reach out to Jack here. I know that you're active on online compared to a lot of people. And so um, you're definitely a, a really solid resource to help people clearly identify various pain points in their supply chain process, having been to so many places. Absolutely, Joey. appreciate you. I'm, a, I'm an easy man to reach. LinkedIn, Instagram, email. Um, a lot of people in this industry have my cell phone. Shoot me a text. You What's know? your preferred way for people to hit you once if they Uh-oh. ever see if they see this and they're they're gonna reach out? Hit me up on LinkedIn. Hit me up on email. Um, you know, jackgrobags.com on LinkedIn. I'm you know just Jack Rover. Um, you know, always always down to chat. You know, always down to ask, you know answer the hard questions, show the data, and dive into it. Um, you know, we uh, we put our money where our mouth is. You want to hit us up and try the product, you know. You have some tough questions, something doesn't make sense to you, you know. Uh, try it out. We'd love to, to go through it and explain, you know, our system and, you know, our, our beliefs and, you know, what we believe is the, the best way to, to process, secure, and handle and deliver deliver cannabis to customers. Uh, but beyond that, um, thanks again so much. I got a your question left still. That was just the sponsor statement. 
Oh, my bad. Oh, no, you're good, dude. No, I appreciate it. That's all, you know, even still just learning more bit by bit. But the la- the la- the true there's, – there's technically two questions. The last one's kind of like – the la- you know, it's, we, it's just the one that's included every time. But this one is about going from jars to, like, those big totes to the – What's just what Mitch has here is technology in a bag, which I feel like that doesn't do it justice, but it, that's what it is, right? And there was a couple points earlier that you were talking about in terms of the UV lighting, the humidity, right? Um, how there's, I forget what the word was exactly, but how the terpenes, they kind of pull out almost and diffuse into the, the, the space in the jar or the space in the bag, right? And so it makes me think that Damn, I've got a lot of jars, right, where it's just glass and see-through. And all the light in all of those – in all these dispensaries and all these storage rooms, right, they're able to get in and penetrate a lot of the product by the time it gets to the customer. And so oh, – yeah. Uh, we've talked with a lot of people just about how they're doing their vault and how they're protecting their product and how it's inventory before it even leaves the building. It like makes sense to cover things with blankets at this point to really make sure that not, no light doesn't hit it or to truly box it up entirely, right? Have it come fully, fully uh, closed to some extent. And so the question I have is, you know, what are those key component, components that really go into the conversation of jar versus the, these, this technology and bag that you have? Um. I mean, first off, it, you know, it's pretty easy for us to sell against a jar. A, a jar is a inefficient, you know, novel, novelty item that, you know, doesn't do any of those factors, the durability, the odor control, the, the oxygen control, you know, the ultraviolet light protection, the anti-static protection, um, you know, humidity, you know, regulation, gas control regulation, more specifically, I should say, um, that, that we talked about. Um, it certainly has a unique aesthetic to it. I think people always uh, associate glass with, you know, premium aesthetic. But, you know, if I'm going, if, you know, I'm going in your facility, you know, and I'm pitching you, dog, all right, you're using a jar that you have to buy a jar CR cap. You are probably putting at least four labels on that jar. And then you're putting some sort of barrier or gasket on the lid of that jar. And then you've got your assembly costs. You know, my shit, you pop it open. Like we work closely enough together. I print all your information right on the bag. You have no labels. Oh, yeah. Because all of your information is on is on your piece of flexible packaging, all of your compliance, everything for every market. That's the, you know, some of the advantages. Right of the, on the bag, everybody, literally. Yeah, everything. Everything. But I'm talking, we can get, you know, crazy with it if you want to talk about QR codes and authentication and tracing track and all that stuff. The capabilities of it um, supersede, you know, a, a you know, multi-thousand year old technology that is glass jars. Shout out to jars, but that shit's a little old. We got, if you really are growing the best cannabis and you're still putting your stuff in a jar inside a box, I'll give you that, that it's in a box. But then you're still forgetting about the humidity control and these other elements that go into what you open the jar and smoking the weed. It's different. And so you want to do what we can to preserve that flower, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, does it present beautifully? Yeah. Does it have a great aesthetic to it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's part of the consumer 
as part of the subjective consumer experience, the presentation, you know, when we, you know, look at food, do we eat food first, food, do we eat food first with our eyes? Like a lot of chefs say, you know, like all that stuff's true in a qualitative, you know, highly subjective experience, like experiencing, you know, nuanced traits among, you know, the, the best cannabis flower in the world. Yeah, the absolutely. Thing, right. Um, you know, and certainly a lot of guys that would, you know, argue and, you know, it'd be tough to argue against them. It's like, Hey, I run a small, you know, operation or craft brand, you know, my stuff sells out immediately and people smoke it immediately because it's the hottest shit out there. And I was like, Hey, you know, well, it's your brand and, you know, it's, it's your decision at the end of the day. But I think there's reason why you see a substantial, uh, amount of product continuing to switch and embrace flexible packaging is the material benefits, the technological benefits, the ability to use materials like turf block, the printing and sophistication and the environmental efficiency, um, minimized environmental footprint and better results. I think it, cannabis is becoming as, you know, we hoped a normalized, more expected part of, of, of society and Absolutely. people and the most effective, most form efficient type of packaging, which is flexible packaging. I appreciate what you guys do to help improve and just help the people that are open to hearing about it and give it a shot. Uh, overall cannabis, you know, being to, you know, being delivered to the customer, to the consumer, those who need it, whether it's patients or rec, you know, they, they ultimately deliver, they, they ultimately deserve the best for whatever their dollar can get them and whatever that bud tender is giving, they ultimately deserve the best representation of whatever that comes from. And the farms and the cultivators, the post, the whole, the people that are making that product, they deserve the fair chance. And so I appreciate what you guys do to just help be another resource for those out there. Now, before we get on out of here, the last question, what does Grove Bags and Turp Lock, what do y'all got coming up, man? What's that exclusive, you know, little update for us here today? What do we got? Uh, we've got some pretty cool products coming out. We've got a, uh substantially new and improved fresh frozen bag that we think will really be uh, great for the uh, supply chain in terms of making, you know, and ensuring and understanding cold storage and having evidence of it within the packaging, kind of tamper evident packaging. Frozen bag, let's go. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value to be created there. I think there's some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff that, that we've got, uh, got coming out from JBizCon, some stuff that we're doing with smart materials. I think we're finally you know, mastering how to create both smart and truly sustainable, you know, not BS marketing type, truly sustainable circular packaging products. So um, a lot of stuff keeping us busy until then. That's sick, dude. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Jack. Everybody, for uh, for y'all for watching, we appreciate you. This was episode 81 of the RMR Podcast. I'm your host, Joey J. Ping. Today we had co-founder, CEO, Jack Grover of Grove Bags, Turplock Technology. You guys absolutely crushing the game. Uh, RMR Legacy Smalls, the sponsor for today's episode, and also, too, powered by Vape Department, our current partner for all things hardware and vapes, a really solid boutique experience for those in need of vape cannabis hardware. Uh, Jack, I appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate again. you Thanks so much, RMR fam.